shit and paper on this player haters old news money on the other line so I'm ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another edition of I'm not gonna hold you man as usual I'm your host Scott you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Barbshare Scott you can follow this amazing YouTube channel HB Media at HB Media TV on Twitter and at HB Media on Instagram and of course you can follow my company the brand the Barber's Chair Network on Twitter and Instagram at Barber's Chair Net and you can subscribe to our Patreon man patreon.com backslash Barber's Chair Network you got the $5 package if you just want to hear summer sessions which is an exclusive Patreon podcast now. It's not on a free feed anymore. And if you're a Bears fan, you want to see everything we got in tune going on with 79th and Hallis. All our preview podcasts are on there. You get video for that and you get video for the regular podcast. And we, of course, we've got our on the field post game recaps. We're going to be hitting the road with that. We're going to Pittsburgh for Monday Night Football. We're going to uh, Detroit for the Thanksgiving game. And we're also going to be in Lambeau Field for that final Bears Packers matchup. So check in, subscribe so you can get all on field access with that, man. And uh, we back, we back. It's been a uh, last week. I had to take a hiatus. Um, you know, I was in Vegas covering the Bears uh, Raiders game, and uh, I was exhausted. Anybody who's been to Vegas knows it takes you damn near four week to recover. So, uh, you know, and I didn't want to, you know, short you guys because I really didn't watch any damn football last week outside of the the Bears. So, but we're back. We're back today. Um, my brother will be joining me in a minute to talk about the Bears as they get ready to take on the Goat Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. This weekend, and we've got the one and only Ashley Nicole Moss. She'll be joining me later in the show to talk about the Cowboys, talk about her Knicks, and also what's going on with the start of this NBA season. I just want to give a big shout-out to my Chicago Bulls as we begin our new season this year. It's the most hype I've been for a Bulls season in about 10 years, man. I think it's going to be fun. I think this team has a real good shot to be anywhere between that four and six range. In the playoffs, man, it's going to be fun. Kicks off in Detroit, so we're going to see how it goes. The homie Mikey will be joining us next week. Uh, he, you know, he's couldn't join us this week to give you his uh, Paul information. But, of course, if you follow him at Junior underscore Salito on Twitter, he's going to be giving his picks, heading up to the games like he did last week. Of course, you can follow Barber's Chair Network to get all that shit, too. But let's get right into it with my sound off, man. Um... I thought long and hard about this one. My sound off is obviously something that's been pretty newsworthy involving my Chicago Bears. We lost again to Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm tired of losing to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of things that pain me more than losing to the Green Bay Packers. I mean, to be quite honest with you, I mean, the name of the show is called I'm Not Gonna Hold You, so I'm just gonna keep it honest with you. I could catch my wife cheating on me. Like, I could catch it in the act, and it wouldn't hurt as much as losing to Aaron Rodgers consistently. It's just It just brings me to a level of pain I can't describe. And after the game, and it was a close game, compared to other Packers-Bears games, it was a close game. Uh, Justin Fields led a, a pretty great uh, drive where he went 5-for-5 five five and cutting that 10-point lead to a 3-point lead, which a lot of quarterbacks in Bears history, not going to name any names, would have folded. So I give him credit for that, but Aaron came down, and Aaron does what he always does to it. He kicks our ass. He ran into the end zone, something that he should have did last year in the NFC Championship game. Like he's always said, that's something that's going to burn him for the rest of his career that he didn't run into the end zone. He did it this time. He did it this time, and while everybody in Chicago, everybody in Soldier Field was flipping him off, calling him every type of word, he hit us with the biggest ball you could possibly hit us with. He told, he, he told us, I own you. I've owned you my whole fucking career, and I still own you. And the mics picked it up. And I'm not going to lie to you. Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, I was hot. I was pissed the hell off. It burned me to a place I can't even explain. It really burned the hell out of me. But you know what burns you more than anything? The fucking truth. The truth hurts. And I just got to keep it real, Bears fans. It's the fucking truth. Aaron Rodgers does own us. He is part owner of Soldier Field. Like Tom Brady said, he does it. And we can sit up here and get mad at him. I, I went full meathead on Sunday. I was like, Aaron Rodgers, bitch, fuck him. You know, he don't talk all that tough when he getting his ass kicked in the NFC Championship game. And I sat and thought about it. As a Bears fan, I would play in traffic to fucking be in five NFC Championship games like Aaron Rodgers has been. Yeah, he's only got one Super Bowl. How many Super Bowls do the Bears have since after Harold Washington died? Let, 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 let's be real about this. <laughs> How many do we have? Zero. Zero. Last time I checked, my math ain't that good, but I know one is better than Zero. So we can sit up here and we can get mad at Aaron about that, but who we need to be getting mad at is the Bears. They're the ones who are getting their ass kicked. We need to get mad at the ownership. They're the ones who are allowing us to get us, get our asses kicked. So at the end of the day, the truth hurts, man. Aaron's, Aaron's keeping it real. That's just It is what it is. It stinks. 
But it is what it is. You got to look yourself in the mirror and know that's just how it pretty much is when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, that every time he comes to Soldier Field, even when we go to Lambeau Field, he's going to find a way. We've had close games. He comes back from the deal. Who can all forget the Sunday night football game where Khalil Mack made his debut, you know, with a sack? Uh, you know, uh, I think it's Eddie, not Eddie, but um, Akeem Hicks basically took Aaron out the game. Aaron got got taken out on on a, on a, on a cart. We thought he was done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We thought he was done, and we went up 17-0. And what did he do? He came from behind that curtain and came out and kicked our ass again. It's, it just is what it is. Let's not get mad about it. Let's hope that this franchise is getting tired of being owned by Aaron Rodgers and do something about it, man. So that's my sound off. To, to to start this episode, like 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 Pedro said when the Yankees was kicking his ass, you know, you just gotta, you know, I'm just gonna sit back and call the Yankees my daddy. You know, that's pretty much the same thing when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, man. He, he's the Bears' daddy, and it, it is what it is, man. So let's get into it uh, right now with uh, my brother, and we're gonna bring him in right now for the Bears' minute. Now is the appropriate time to bring in my brother for this week's. 79th and Howlers Minute Bears Talk. Uh, of course, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Flows and You can follow 79th and Howlers, 79th A and D Howlers on Twitter and Instagram. Actually, we're not on Instagram, but you can follow us on Twitter and patreon.com backslash Barbershed Network. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Let's talk some Bears. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Uh, we are the uh, they met the media today, Justin Fields, Coach Nagy, um, Cole Komet. You weren't at Howlers today, were you? No, no, okay. no, it was not. Okay. It, it didn't look like it was a lot today, but it felt like there was a lot of people talking about the Aaron Rodgers quote. Of course, we talked about it on our show. I talked about it in the opening of this show. Cole Komet actually agreed. He was like, you can't get mad at him. You know, you, you know, we, it's up to us to change the narrative. So my question for you is, how do you think the, 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 the higher-ups are feeling about this? Because, you know, they don't like to get embarrassed, and there's a lot of talk about this. Even Tom Brady kind of, I don't know if you saw Tom Brady kind of, you know, was messing with today on this podcast said, "Oh, I need to I need to congratulate uh, Aaron. I didn't know he was part owner of Soldier Field, and he's not he's not low. I know what he's doing before the game. What, what do you what do you feel about that?" Well, I mean, at one on one side of it, no, I can't get mad for the fact that he said, "You know, I still own you. I I own you." After he scored that touchdown in embarrassing fashion, because you know this man is thirty five plus years old. And still being able to fake you out with um, a pump fake to the entire opposite side of the field. He's not a guy who throws to the opposite side of the field often. Get you out your socks and then rush in for a touchdown. And then, of course, I mean, he was feeling he was feeling excited. And he's telling the truth. He's 22 and 5 against the Bears. Yeah, that, 22, that's, that's 20. <laughs> 22 and 5. That is domination. And it's like when the Bears win against the Packers, it's like a national holiday. When the Packers win against the Bears, it's Sunday. That's how it (laughs) is for Packers Packers fans. And the Packers fans getting uh, my mentions, the seven at the Hollis mentions, and, you know, and talk about our typical Bears fan. Here you all go thinking you all got the lead. Here you all go complaining about the refs. I can't be mad at them. I don't block them. I don't say nothing negative about them because they're telling the truth. They're telling the truth. They have dominated us since Aaron Rodgers has been the starting quarterback. Now, yeah, I was I was looking at uh, the records uh, from when Lovey took over in 2004. Remember his first press conference? Our first first option to beat the, to to beat beat Green, the Green Bay. Bay. Yeah. He didn't say our first option was the, the Super Bowl. It was to beat Green Bay. Now, if you look at the record, we were like 6-2 and two before Aaron became the starter. Yeah. Once Aaron became the starter and then four years before Lovey got fired, we went under 500. And we yeah. finished like eight and nine, no six, eight and nine against them after Lovey got fired, and that tells you everything you know about that story. No, I mean that tells you exactly what you need to know about that story. Under uh, Lovey Smith, the Bears had much more success uh, against Green Bay. He is six and two, exactly like you said, um, right before you know that Aaron Rodgers situation. So he had much more success against them, and it was much more competitive. Yeah, but then Aaron takes over, and you know. <laughs> It all goes to 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 hell, and uh, yeah, I mean it's annoying to hear. Like it makes your blood boil a little bit because we're still fans. But afterwards, I'm like, you gotta respect the gangster. Yeah, right. That's how I felt on Monday, and it's like, uh, before we go into the Buccaneers, 
one thing I will say from watching Aaron on Pat McAfee, uh, he has a, a appreciation for the robbery. I'm glad he said that it is still a robbery, despite you know how much they've been kicking our ass the last 14 that ain't years. A it's I'm, not on the field. But I'm saying still robbery between the fans. And then he said okay. he even told Justin Fields after the game, "Make sure you appreciate this robbery." You know what I'm saying? Because this is this yeah. is bigger than you, and this is some shit that you're gonna have to embrace. So. But, you know, we'll, we'll get off on that. We're done with the Packers. We'll see them December 12th. We'll be in the building for that Thursday I'm, night I'm looking ball. at – what year did Lovey take over? 2004? 2004. Him and Ozzy got hired the same year. That's how I remember. All I see are W's versus the Packers and yeah. some sprinkled in L's. Yeah. That's all I see. I see W lost, W, 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 W lost, W, W, lost, W. Lovey and Ozzy came the first year, came together the first year, and they both got fired the same year, which is kind of fucking funny. And so let's go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. I don't think there's really any kind of juice for this game. Like, even no. amongst Bears fans, I think we all kind of know that we're going to get our ass kicked. That's like the feeling. Uh, what can the Bears do to make this game even competitive? Because this is a team that last year, the Bucs took a long time before their offense started clicking. It took them prior to like week 11 before it started getting going. This offense looks great right now. Uh, and then also you got Levante David saying after they beat Philly, we've had this game circled when it came out on the schedule. So Which, I'm like, Tom, I'm like, I don't think the Bears, I don't think the Bears said anything to set you off. But they okay. did. <laughs> but Tom remembers the, the four down thing. And oh, people, God. people was clowning. Oh, he's old. People was clowning about that. And him slightly trolling the Bears on his podcast with Jim Gray today. What can the Bears do to even make this a competitive game? One thing I would say is Tom Brady is going to come looking to drop the meat off on the Bears. <laughs> um, not only do I think he's playing some of the best football of his, of his career, like not just for you know for his age, for in his career, playing some of the best football. Has not thrown under 250 yards. Has only had 200 yard, three, 300, less than 300 yards twice out of all these games. He has two 400 yard games, two five touchdown games, and a four touchdown game. Let me just be real, real honest. I do not expect the Bears to win in any fashion. Yeah. This is not because the Bears are the worst team in the league, but man, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers' offense make it insurmountable sometimes to beat them. Now, that being said, what you can do to stop him is get pressure from your front, not from blitzing, from your front. Those front three, well, those front uh, uh, five, since you're in a three-four, you're having those two edge rushers and um, uh, Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack. They have to get pressure. I'm honestly not a person who likes to who would like to blitz Tom Brady. Every time you blitz Tom Brady, he will immediately he check out of that. Off. He yeah. will know. He is, you know, some people used to look at when Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were going through, I don't want to say a few, but their rivalry of being the number one, number two, back and forth position uh, for the best player, best quarterback in the league. They would see, oh, man, Peyton Manning, he knows it because Peyton Manning is constantly audibly, you know, constantly checking the defense. I want to let you know Tom Brady is just as smart as he is when it comes to football. Yeah. He knows the game of football. He knows what you're in when you're in the huddle and you haven't even shown a front. So that being said, blitzing against him is typically a mistake. But what they can do is make that front that front just immediately collapse the line because he can't roll out like he used to. We obviously know that he's a 44-year-old man. So the best thing you can do is collapse that pocket around him. And if you do that, then you'll have a chance for him. I wouldn't say he's going he gonna to make much mistakes against you, but you'll be able to get that to uh, not allow him to make so, so many changes at the line and also to get the ball out quickly. Uh, after that, of course, you have to deal with the run game. But, of course, that goes back to that front. You have to be able to collapse the pocket. But, I mean, that could be almost true for every quarterback. With other quarterbacks, there are some quarterbacks, however, where if you collapse the pocket, they'll just run out. Tom Brady's not doing that. So your best bet is that front has to get involved. Because if they're not getting involved and you have to send blitzes, then I think you're you're in, a long, uh, in for a long game. Now, on yeah. the flip side, offensively, you're going to have to score fast. Yeah, I think on defense, this is going to be tougher because Robert Quinn got put on the COVID list, so his status for Sunday is up in the air. Um, and they also have a really, really good offensive line. Um, I think that the, the thing that's key, like you said, on offense, they're going to have to go through it in the air because they have a whole bunch of Mariano's baggers in their secondary right now in Tampa because everybody's hurt. Richard Sherman uh, just pulled his hamstring, so he's not going to play. He's going to be out for a minute. There's going to be some opportunities for Justin to throw the ball, and not to say they got to get away from the run, but it's going to be 
be tough for the run because you're going up against the number one run defense in the NFL right now. And it's a lot for a rookie in Khalil Herbert to do himself. Of course, Demo still hurt. Damian Williams has not come off the COVID list yet. How can they get Justin Moore involved to, you know, so we can stop looking at, you know, how we did in the Packers game? Well, oh, the first, those two drives look good, and then the offense just stalls because of schemes. What can Matt Nagy do to open it up so this is not a full on blowout? Well, normally I would say get the play action involved, but that's only going to work if you put a concerted effort into the running game. And if they start stuffing the run game, which they are very good at stuffing the run game, they're not going to fall for the play action. If they're not going to fall for the play action, you're going to have to drop back. You're going to have to run some bootlegs. You're going to have to spread out the spread out the uh, the skill players. You're going to have to move to the left, move to the right. The best thing that's going to happen is just going to have to find open man. That's just the truth. It's going to be. You can call all the plays creatively you want, but Justin is going to have to start dicing them up. They're going to have to respect the passing game. He's going to have to put hole, find the holes within that defense, whether it's man, and they're not going to stick man because of those uh, injuries to their secondary. It's going to be a lot of zone coming from them. And when that happens, you're going to have to find seams. If it's a cover two, you're going to have to find a seam toward the, uh, the sidelines. If it's a cover three, you're going to have to hit toward that deep middle. There are several things you're going to have to do in order to uh, to to beat them, but the best thing that you can do is hurt them in zone. If you hurt them in zone, then they'll have to respect you passing. Then you can get Khalil Herbert more involved. It all sounds simple when I say it out loud or when you put it on paper, but actually doing it is a little bit tougher because, of course, they still have one of the best linebacking core, in my opinion, yeah. in the league, and they're fast. They're very Super fast. fast. But, but I think who comes into play is going to be Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney, just like last week. They're going to be your primary people to look for. Um, they might not, you know, they may not give you much over top, but in those holes in the zone, you you, you need to be there. You need to be open. You need to be able to um, make some impromptu decisions. So when Justin rolls out, if the player is broken at the line and Justin rolls out, it can't be a situation last like last week where Allen Robinson stops in his tracks. You never want to stop in your track in a route, period. If the route is finished, turn your head around, see what's going on. Especially if you don't hear a whistle. Turn your head around, see what's going on, move around. So they need to have some sort of uh, uh, rapport with Justin and be able to start moving if they want to have some success. One last thing before we get you out of here. Uh, when it comes to Justin, there's been a little, little angst in Bears Twitter this week. You know, I saw a couple people saying he's not being developed right. You know, he needs to do this, he needs to do that. Do should Bears fans fans be the ones to blame for some people, not us, because we were told y'all before the season started, this kid is a fucking rookie. He's 22. It's going yeah. to take a minute. And not only that, he's surrounded by a terrible fucking coaching staff. What do you say to the fans who are panicked? Like, oh, he's got to get better. Look at Mac Jones, which I can tell you ain't been watching Mac Jones. If you were really watching Mac Jones, you wouldn't be making that fun comparison. What do you say to them who's kind of waiting for him to be Mahomes right away after four starts? <sighs> Well, then, I, I, first thing I would say is obviously that I don't think you're paying attention to the Mac Joneses, to the Trevor Lawrence. Mac Jones is sitting like seven touchdowns, six interceptions. Yeah. Now, of course, you can look at the fact that he threw like two touchdowns in two of his last three games, but those are also accompanied by a pick every one of those times. Now, that being said, he has increased his yardage a bit, um, but that's what he, he's a volume thrower who's going to throw it a couple yards per game. I think that last game was his longest yards per attempt. But outside of that, he's a short thrower. That being said, of course, I still think he's going to develop into a very solid quarterback for the Patriots and Trevor Lawrence and the rest of them. But I also don't think the entire coaching staff of the Bears is terrible. I don't think the majority of them are terrible. I have questions about you know Juan Castillo being an offensive line coach. That being said, the offensive line has bounced back pretty solid after that Cleveland game. Um, of course, there's questions with Nagy, but outside of that, I don't mind many of the coaches there. I think they do an okay job. I think quarterback coach wise, I think they're fine with who they have. Developing him, of course, yeah, that's that's going to be a concern because you saw it. You know, you wonder why this didn't why this didn't happen with Mitchell Trubisky. That being said, Mr. Trubisky, Justin Fields, apples and oranges, two different players, two levels of preparedness. Whereas Mr. Trubisky was a project coming out of North Carolina. Justin Fields was arguably the second best quarterback in the nation during his two years at Ohio State. So I don't think it's going to be much of development. Development is going to come from getting experience on the field. You can teach them everything you want. Go over plays, go over screens, uh, schemes, work on uh, three-step drops, five-step drops, all these things. But unless 
they're actually learning themselves and put it into memory. There's nothing you can really do about that. That being said, Justin Fields is a person who does learn, who does learn from his mistakes. You look at his games versus uh, Clemson in his junior year, then, uh, not junior, but his, his uh, first year with Ohio State, then his third, second year at Ohio State. He approached those games completely different, found out how to exploit, found out how what he needed to learn when he was facing them, and he got better. Mitch was never that case. You just had you had to be willing to sit down, yeah. <laughs> maybe sit him for a couple of years and let him learn. So I'm not sure I'm really concerned about his development. And then on top of that, when it comes to having splash seasons, that's a rarity. Very Majority rare. of quarterbacks do not develop in that sense. There's as we said, I think we said on seven at the Hollis, there's Russell Wilson, there's Justin Herbert. And there's Mahomes. uh well Mahomes wasn't a well that was the second year yeah see right so really so there's Herbert and Russ there's, there's Herbert and Russ yeah Peyton Manning his first year was like two touchdowns 14 picks in he was awful yeah you know what I'm saying uh Tom Brady didn't come in until later so Drew Brees wasn't really Drew Brees till he to his last year in San Diego and then he got around Sean Payton yeah and so you have to relax let him learn the game oh he missed the water bottle Robinson it's gonna happen even if he's a veteran you're gonna miss wide open people sometimes especially when that play is a rookie. You're trying to focus on keeping your eye, keeping your head and your eyes one way. So I don't really, I don't understand that sort of talk, and I haven't seen anything that makes me believe that uh, his development is being derailed. I think when they see a back and forth game, uh, like you saw with Mac Jones in his last game, you therefore think, uh, like it was exciting. You know, he's going against a team in Dallas who is arguably one of the best teams in the league, if not arguably the best team in the league. And they're back and forth, but he wasn't the only person contributing to that uh, to that game. A lot was happening, but of course, you say, "Oh, he's being developed." But that's a, you're being a prisoner of the moment. Look at the total of body of work. Justin has not had as many starts as he had, and Justin is learning more on the fly. Now, that doesn't mean give excuses for him, but that does mean wait, let right. the season progress, let more games progress. He has not been under center long enough for you to say something like that. That being said, I think this will be his first test. Of course, I thought was last week. And I think he did a fine job. I of course, solid. We, you know, we know the interception, which was clearly a free play, whatever. But this week he'll be a challenge because oh, and I think about just to say it was a naked play. <laughs> I think it'd be I think it'd be more of a challenge because he'll have to throw. Yeah. I don't think the the Buccaneers will give him an opportunity, give them an opportunity to run the ball. And if they do, um, why not keep running it? Yeah. You know, I don't know any team in the NFL outside of probably the Chargers or the uh the bills who see running lanes open up and think ah it's time to start passing again right exactly you know exactly. the bills are just it don't matter what you got pass the ball any other team is damn our running game is going keep running why not yeah so yeah i agree uh as usual man we'll be have our preview pod this saturday you can check that out on on the patreon patreon.com backslash barbers chat network uh this will be the last game that you won't see both of us at we will both be at all four games. The next four games will be at Soldier Field for the Niners game. We're going to Pittsburgh for Monday Night Football. We're going. I'm going to be there for for Justin and Lamar at Soldier Field, and of course, we'll be in Thanksgiving in Detroit for Thanksgiving. So, if you want any of those games, holler at us, man. You know where to follow him at Flo's and Delaney. And uh, as usual, Heralds, we need our fucking sponsor. We, we need our sponsors. It's, it's about time, man. It's, it's about, about time. time. We, we got y'all know. in our bio. We need to hit up Lero, see what we can do about that so we can get our sponsor. But as usual, we'll be back. Next, he'll be back next week for our Saving Night the House moment. And as usual, my brother joining me every week here on I'm Not Gonna Hold You, man. Uh, of course, you can check us out this week, Saving Night the House. We'll be talking about the Buccaneers game, get you all in depth ready for that one. But I will say this because today is game four and, uh, you know, of uh, game five of the ALCS and game four of the NLCS as we record this on a Wednesday. I will say this quickly because I don't want to divulge too much into it. By the time you watch this, the series might be a little different. I will say this. Boston is playing both teams. Boston and Atlanta are playing with fire because now you're in Boston. You're in a best of three situation with – with the um the Astros and you don't want to have a team that doesn't die be that close. They really really need to win game 5. If they don't win game 5, they're going to be in some trouble and I think this one is over in 6. And if they do win game 5, you still got to do the the hard task of winning two games in Houston. You won one game two. You're going to have to do it again. I think they really really fucked up with putting Nathan Evaldi in in the in the ninth inning. I mean, yeah, in the ninth inning and which I don't like because I don't like the overthinking um 
that comes with managers and analytics, you're up in the series. I can see if it was an elimination game. You're either trying to win or you're trying to stave off elimination. You're like, let me go one of my best pitchers. But when you're up, you don't have to do that. Now you done wasted his arm. He gave up seven damn runs in that ninth inning, and now you're not going to be able to play him again unless it's a game seven. Just bad overthinking over there by Alice Corder really bit them in the ass. And on the NL, on the NL side of things, man, like the, like the legend Rudy Tomjanovich said, Never underestimate the heart of a champion. The Dodgers are not dead yet. The, the Braves had them. They had them there, and they let Cody Bellinger do Cody Bellinger things. And then Mookie Best does what he always do, and that's be the best player in baseball. And, yes, I said he's the best player in baseball. I don't care what stats you throw at me about that dude, Norris County. He ain't this guy. Marcus Lynn Betts is the best player in baseball. He showed that continuously. And I think the Braves made a massive, massive mistake. We saw what happened last year when they gave up that 3-1 lead. And you, you can't do that again. And now things start to get a play. You're going to see Scherzer again. You get your riots today. And that changed the whole complexion of this series. Now, the Dodgers aren't off the hot seat. I do think the Dodgers need to sweep this these three. I don't think you want to go to Atlanta and have to win two. But they're, they're capable of doing it. If there's any team that can do it, it's that fucking lineup, man. I think the Braves need to watch out. Braves, if there's one thing that is synonymous in October, it's the Braves choking. So, you know, we'll see what's going to happen with that. Uh, we're going to get into my week six week recap. As um, far as predictions, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw I put my predictions up on Twitter so we can keep this count up about how good I've been at predicting games. Last week, I went 11 and 2. 11 and 2 in my predictions. And that, that uh, goes to a total of 67. And 26. So listen to me. Light-skinned Negro Domus has been spot on this year. So if you want to know who to pick for your games, listen to your boy. I'm going to have my Week 7 predictions later on in the show. We're going to talk about right now the biggest storylines coming out of Week 6. This year, this week, I got four. I got four big storylines. We're going to start with the with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars finally got a win, last-minute win with the field goal over the Miami Dolphins across the pond in London. And I must say this to all my brothers and sisters, Across the pond, I am sorry on behalf of America that we keep sending bum-ass teams for you to watch. You only get one of them. I think you get like two London games you get that, and they always send trash teams. Let's start sending better teams to London. Send Mahomes out there. Send the GOAT out there. Send Josh Allen, Lamar, Jay Herbo, something. Give these dudes and women quality football. They already got to eat that bullshit Toasting beans. Give them good football. Good American football for them to watch. Not fucking Tua Tangovalova versus Trevor Lawrence. Nobody wants to see all that shit. But anyway, Jaguars got their first win. I think it was a big week for them. Also big for Urban Meyer. Big for Urban Meyer because he finally got a win. And, and Urban Meyer needs to send John Gruden the Christmas card for getting the heat off his ass that was last week. Because there's nobody on planet Earth happier that they're not talking about him than Urban Meyer. But I thought it was, it was a big win for them. Trevor Lawrence is starting to look better. Uh, like we said, you gotta, you gotta, you can't really look at stats when you're grading rookie quarterbacks. And I think each week he's looking more confident. Had a couple big plays there this week, and he really went out there and got a big win for them. Now this might be the only win they're gonna get for the rest of the fucking season because it's a bad, it's a bad team. But at least they won't be in 0 and 16 ter- territory like a certain team that plays in my division, who we will not be naming, <coughs> Detroit. Uh, my third storyline. The Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens are 5-1, and one, best record in the AFC. Dominant win over the uh, L.A. Chargers this past week. Wasn't the best offensive performance on either, for either team. Herbert was so-so. Lamar was so-so. But it was really a dominant effort by this Ravens defense to pretty much just take Herbert out the game. And so the question is right now, are the Ravens the best team in the AFC? I think they have a real good claim to that. Now, of course, we're only six weeks into the season. We got 11 more games left. A lot more can change. But as of right now, I'm not really mad if you tell me that this is the best team in the AFC. Look at all the injuries they had coming into the season on the defense with their running game. We thought they were shot. I came here in my preview, my playoff preview. Now, I did have them as one of my wild card teams, but I came here in my playoff preview. It was like, that's going to hurt them a lot as far as competing in this division. And right now, they're not only sitting at the top of the division, they're sitting at the top of the AFC, and Lamar Jackson's putting together another MVP campaign. Now, a lot of people got on me on Twitter because I said Lamar wasn't in my top three MVP candidates. Now, if you're doing a top five, yes, Lamar will be in there. I still think the top three is 
difference between Kyler Murray, uh, Dak Prescott, and the one and only Tom Brady. But Lamar's putting up, he's putting up a fight. You know, he's, he's doing good. I think one thing about Lamar right now, you're seeing he's a, he's an elite playmaker, dog. He, he, he does whatever he, whatever he can to win the game. Even if he throws some of those bonehead inter- interceptions that I criticize him about, he doesn't, he doesn't, it doesn't phase him. He goes out there and he keeps playing. And that's what you got to respect about this Ravens team. And I think they got a big chance to roll, roll some wins off here. You know, they got a tough game this week against the Bengals who've been playing pretty good. But with the Browns situation right now, I think the sky's limit right now for the Ravens. They can really start to pile on. Um, my second storyline coming out of this out of this week. I'm not gonna talk about J- John Gruden. I'm kind of done talking about John Gruden. Um, you know, I-, I talked about it on two minute drill. We talked about it on summer sessions. Like I said, I'm not shocked when white people do racist shit. Uh, nothing about that surprised me whatsoever. So I'm not gonna. Uh, talk about that particular situation what i am going to talk about is the football team the raiders had a big win i think they had a huge win despite the gruden situation going into denver very very tough place to play denver's been a decent team they've always had a great defense and going out there and getting the win going out there and getting the win i think it's a big one because they're able to bounce back their season was on the on the verge of spiraling out of control because of a loss at home to the bears and of course everything going on with their head coach so new head coach Derek Carter, he came out, played a pretty good game. And now they got a chance to really get established themselves as a chance to, you know, win the AFC West. And they have a legit shot here. They got a couple easy games coming on. They can come up and start to stack a couple W's. They're going to put themselves in the race. And now this is a big year for Derek Carr because now we're going to see what Derek Carr really is. Uh, they haven't committed to him long term. Uh, John Gruden's play calling was 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 terrible to say the least. So now we're gonna see. You know, he looked a lot more free in that game against Denver. What can he do? Is he gonna be the long term option for the Raiders if he can get this team to in the playoffs or even better win the division? That's gonna say a lot about not just this franchise, not just about this team, but about Derek Carr himself. So I think that was a huge win for them. But my number one storyline of the week: fraud alert. We're six weeks into the season, and I think it's ta- I think it's time to talk about fraud alert, man. And I had the Titans here. The Titans were were fighting so hard to be on my fraud alert, but they had a humongous win in Monday on Monday night at the crib against the Bills. Huge win for them. Ryan Tannehill played a great game. Derrick Henry. I mean, <laughs> what can we really say about this dude at this point, man? This is why I said that he was gonna have back to back two thousand uh, yard running rushing seasons. Seasons. He's just a man amongst boys and there's nothing you can do about that dude and I think this is really something that was an impressive win I think that takes them off fraud alert now they got a huge game this week against the Chiefs that's going to tell me a lot about them too but right now I got to keep them off my fraud alert and I'm going to replace them with the Cleveland Browns now I had the homie Chops from Complex on here preseason and he was he's a big diehard Cleveland sports fan big Browns guy you know they've got a great fan base out there and he said for him it was Super Bowl or bust my brother said on two-minute drill, Super Bowl or bust. He had them in the Super Bowl. I did not buy it. I said I think they'll be a playoff team, but I don't think they're a contender. Six weeks to the season, nothing they have done has proven me any different. The every contender they face, they've looked sus and they've lost. Even team, they even lost the team they had no business losing to. You know, so that's the issue right there. Now you have injury problems coming up. This is, was a great rushing team. Their running is the strength of this team. And now both their running backs are Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt will not be playing tonight on Thursday Night Football. And now add to Baker Mayfield, who I never really thought was that good to fucking begin with. Now he's got a sole shoulder issue, and he's not even going to be playing tonight. Welcome to the Case Keenum. I think it's Case Keenum, right? Is, is it Case Keenum? I'm going to – I might I might have fucked that up. Let, let me see – Real quick. But anyway, he's not going to be playing tonight. And that's going to be uh, a huge detriment to them uh, moving forward. It is Case Keenum. It is Case Keenum. The Case Keenum era. We'll be getting into Cleveland. And they've got a tough game against uh, Denver. And they're going to be in fraud alert. Because I just don't like what I see. You know, Miles Garrett can go out there and sack as many people as he wants to. But if your offense isn't doing what they need to do, and trust me, I know as a Bears fan, when your defense is holding you down and your offense is not, you got issues. And they just don't look like that upper echelon of team. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to make the playoffs. Now, this game will tell me a lot about whether that's going to change or not. But as of right now, week six, they are on my fraud alert, man. So, Cleveland Browns fans, holler at me. Let me know what's going on. Now, as we get into week seven, uh, this is not the best schedule this week. 
not gonna lie. It's 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 not the best schedule whatsoever. Uh I'm glad I really I really won't even be much in front of the TV this week. You know, I'm celebrating my birthday this weekend. Gonna be 33. I'm old, gonna be 33 next Tuesday. But uh I do have three games that I feel are watchable. So we're gonna get into my top three must-watch games in week seven. Number three, I'm gonna go with uh Browns Broncos, which is tonight's game to kick off week seven on Thursday night football. This is must-watch because of what I just mentioned a couple seconds ago. This is kind of like one of those must-win games for the Browns because you don't want to lose this one and then you're under 500 and now you've got all these different problems with injuries. And the Broncos aren't the best team. they got a real solid defense, but Teddy Bridgewater is Teddy Bridgewater. He can look like a fucking pro bowler one day. He can look like he shouldn't even be on the roster the next. You don't really know what you're going to get from this offense, but I know what you're going to get from fucking Case Keenum. I know that much. Uh, so this one is going to really determine for both teams. It's big for it's big for Denver too. They don't want to get lost in the shuffle in the AFC West when it's for grabs right now with the Chiefs slumping, the Raiders are trying to make a presence right now, and then of course the Chargers being at 4 and 2. So it's it's a, it's a nice little time for them to hop in there and say, "Yo, we're in this race race too despite our last couple losses." So that's going to be my number 3 must watch game. Number 2 is uh Ravens Bengals, and this is more of a a, a must watch because of Cincinnati. Baltimore's favorite. I will not be shocked if Baltimore win. They probably will win. But for the Bengals, they're four and two right now. They have a good shot to go out here and 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 make my top ten power rankings list. Which, if you if you're uh you know you can check that out on SlickSports.com. Check that. I do my weekly top ten power rankings. They got a chance to get on my list. They got a chance to really get into that wild card race and get a big win on the road against a division rival. So that's something I'm going to be interested in seeing. They had some tough losses this year to better teams. But they went up, went out there in Detroit, took care of business, scraped the lines like you're supposed to. So I'm really interested to see what, what Joey B, what Jamar Chase are going to do when they go up against the Ravens. And my number one must-watch game this week is Chiefs-Titans. This is a big game for both teams. A big game for the Chiefs because even though they won in Washington, didn't really look as good. It wasn't a clean game. They haven't looked clean all season. Uh, Pat still threw a couple picks. Um, they looked real discombobulated. So it's about time for them to start stacking up some wins. It's time for them to get an impressive win. And this will be an impressive win against a team like the Titans who are starting to play better. And for the Titans, for you to stop, establish dominance and say that you're a contender like a lot of people, including myself, had them as heading into the season, you need to go out there and you need to knock out the two-time AFC defending champs. So this is a big game for them. So that's my number one uh, game, must-watch game for the week. And we are back. Shout out. Thank you, Ashley and Cole Moss, for joining us this week. Uh, talking about some NBA, some football in there. So we're going to get into my week seven predictions, man. Uh, as usual, I will do no Bears predictions on this show. If you want to check out my Bear prediction, check out 79th and Hollis. And you can subscribe. Patreon.com backslash Barbers Chat Network. Check out our preview pods, which drop every Saturday. Me and my brother Flows will tell you who's going to win. Buccaneers and Bears. And of course, like I said, I was 11-2 last week. I'm 67-26. Listen to me. Light-skinned Negro Domus is here. I want to tell you who's going to win this week in week seven. Kicks off tonight. Browns and Broncos in Cleveland. I'm going to go with the Broncos. I think the Browns will stay on fraud alert. I think the Browns are going to go into a little spiral here. With all these injuries, was mid as they've been playing, and now they've got Case Keenum trying to lead this offense, and you don't have no running game to lean on. Both of your running backs are out, and I think the Broncos will take advantage. I think the defense will make some plays. They're going to get some turnovers, and I think Teddy Bridgewater will be good enough to get the win, so I'm going with Denver. Packers, Washington, it's not really to say much about this. Packers have won five in a row. Washington has really suffered from Ryan Fitzpatrick being injured. Taylor Heineke really hasn't been doing much. This defense has not been as good as it was last year. And I don't see how that's going to change against uh, a team that's kind of rolling offensively right now in Green Bay. So I think the Packers are going to win pretty easily, and they're going to move to 6-1. and one. Chiefs-Titans, like I just mentioned, is my number one must-watch game this week. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Chiefs because I think it's time for the Chiefs to start picking up victories. I think it's time for them to say enough with the bullshit. And let's go out here and, and win these games and play like the team that everybody knows that we can play like. I'm not giving up on the Chiefs. I know a lot of people are giving up on them. I know the defense has been worse than it's been in years. I know Pat's been looking a little crazy. He's got 15 picks in 16 games. I think it's straight up foolishness for people to say that he's been figured out. Are you fucking kidding me? 
this dude can't get figured out. And if you look at a lot of these interceptions, a lot of these interceptions ain't on him. It's fluky shit. Bounce off the helmet. Falls off the hands. Shit that hasn't been on him. Now, of course, some of them have been on him. You don't throw 15 picks in 16 games. It's all on somebody else. A lot of those home run and one street ball type plays he likes to do, he ain't been getting away with. But I don't think there's really a long time thing for the panic. I still think they're going to be good. And I still think they have a very solid chance to win this division. I think it's going to start this week. We're going to see them get on a little roll, and I think they're going to beat the Titans this week. This next, this next game is, is so terrible. Falcons-Dolphins, you should not waste your time watching this game. I'm not going to waste my time watching this game. One thing I am going to stop doing is I'm going to stop picking the damn Dolphins. The Dolphins have failed me the last three weeks I picked them. And Tua Tank Low, I, I, I hate to say it, he's bad. He's just not good. I, I think it's about time that we as a community in a media space, in a fan space, start trolling and, and going in on the Dolphins for picking Tua over Justin Herbert the same way that us Bears fans had to deal with you motherfuckers talking about we took Mitch over fucking Mahomes and uh, inmate number four in Houston. I'm tired of it. I had to hear that shit for five years. It's time for somebody else to be the, the butt of the jokes. Let's get on them because they made a monumental mistake too and they're going to lose again. The Falcons aren't a good team, but I got more faith in that offense than I do the Dolphins. Uh, Brian Flores, his seat is getting very, very fucking hot. I think the Falcons are going to win this one. Uh, next one's Patriots. Jets, going with the Patriots. Uh, Mac Jones, you know, I'm not, I'm not really a big fan. I'm not, I don't think he's going to be a bad quarterback. I just don't think he's going to be anything special. But he showed me a little, he had a little cojones last week against them, against uh, Dallas. You know, after throwing that pick six to Javon Diggs, he bounced back and let a touchdown drive. I really love what I saw. He really showed that I ain't no bitch. So I think that's going to carry over. The Jets are a hot mess. Not expecting nothing for them. I really just want to see how Zach Wilson is going to play. They're coming off a bye week. We're going with the Patriots this week to beat the New York Jets. And then we go to another skippable game. Uh, Panthers and Giants. I put a little bit too much dip on my chip when I was praising Sam Donald a couple weeks ago. And then I was reminded, we were all reminded why Sam Donald is fucking Sam Donald. And uh, with that being said, Sam Donald's not Daniel Jones. That motherfucker's trash. This team is trash. They, I think they have the worst record in the NFL the last four years. Like teams like the Giants, it just it makes me feel as a Bears fan, things aren't all bad. And I don't want to hear about that Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was a decade ago. Matter of fact, they celebrated it last week after they got their ass handed to them by the Rams. By the Rams. I don't want to hear about that shit anymore. They need to get this shit together, but it will not be getting together this week. And I think the Panthers are going to win this one pretty easily with a nice little bounce back win. Bengals-Ravens, like I said, that's my number two must game to watch this week. I'm going to upset. I mean, I, I'm pretty hot right now. I'm 11-2 last week. I'm 67-26. I can afford a hot take right now. I think that the Bengals going to get a dub. I think the Bengals going to shock the world. They're going to get a big road dub. My man Joey B is going to have a great game. Jamar Chase, who I think is going to be offensive rookie of the year. They're going to continue their dominance. I think the defense can make some plays, and I'm going to go with the Bengals this week. The Raiders, fresh off a big win in Denver, they play a team in Philadelphia who offensively is a mess. I don't know what's going on over there. Jalen Hurst does not look good. And I think that the Raiders are going to take advantage of that. And I think the Raiders are going to win. They're going to win two in a row, and they're going to really start to, you know, we're going to start to talk, talk about them a little more over these next couple of weeks. Uh, Rams-Lions, there's really not much to this besides the fact that Matthew Stafford gets to play his old team. Uh, Dan Campbell was fed up. I was wondering how long it was going to take Dan Campbell to call out Jared Goff because all of us who have eyes, we know how Jared Goff is. And I love how he kind of, called him out, but in a respectful way. He really paused for like 45 seconds. Like, how can I call him trash without sounding disrespectful? And, you know, he said he just got to play better. He does have to play better. And I'm going to tell you what, it's not going to happen this week. Uh, He's going to be going against the old team. I think the Rams are going to win this one pretty decisively. Now we go to Cardinals-Texans, the only undefeated team in the league right now, the 6-0 Arizona Cardinals, they're going to move to 7-0. I mean, Texans have nothing right now. They have literally nothing going on for them. And uh, the Cardinals are... Hitting on all cylinders, and I don't think that's going to change this week. 7-0 for them is coming up. Then we've got Sunday Night Football, Colts, Niners. I will tell you one thing I will be doing, and that's not watching this game. <laughs> Sunday night on HBO, Succession is back. Kirby Enthusiasm is back. 
Insecure is back. I will not be watching Carson Wentz go up against either Jimmy G or Trey Lance. Y'all have fun with that. But with that being said, I do think the Indianapolis Colts will win. Carson Wentz will do enough. My uh, Niners pick is not looking good right now. It's really not. It's really not. I'm upset about that. So, not make me look good out here. And I think the Colts are going to win now. And then Sunday night, then Monday night football, the Manning cast is back. Seahawks, Saints, you get to see famous Jameis going up against Geno Smith. The Seahawks actually played pretty well last week. Actually played pretty well last week. Lost last minute. Geno fumbled the ball. But they'll be at home, and the Saints have a terrible offense. They only, as far as passing attack, they only average 50 more yards than the Chicago Bears. And trust me, you never want to be in any offensive category with the, with the Chicago Bears. And I think them being at home is going to carry them, and I think Seattle will win that game. So those are my Week 7 predictions. Welcome back to I'm Not Gonna Hold You, man. We've got our first guest for the first time in a couple weeks, somebody who wasn't a correspondent, a.k.a. my punk-ass brother or the homie Mikey. We've got the one and only Ashley Nicole Moss in the building from Sports <laughs> Illustrated. You got your own podcast, Certified Buckets, on uh, the Uninterrupted, and you do yeah. Knicks Fan TV. I know you got a whole bunch of titles. Thank you for joining me today. How's it going? It's going well. I'm excited to be here. Big fan of the show. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Now, before we get into basketball, we're, we're knee deep into the football season. You actually root for a winning team, unlike myself. <laughs> Uh, you are a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I have a quick question. As a native New Yorker, how did you become a Cowboy fan? <laughs> so I get this question so much. You'd be surprised how many Cowboys fans actually live in New York and across the country, really. But my dad is a diehard fan. I grew up watching the team. It was the only team that, you know, was playing in my house consistently every Sunday. So um, I just grew up with it. I didn't really have a choice. The year I was born, 93, we did end up winning the Super Bowl. So I feel like it was made to be also. But I'm not the only New Yorker who's a Dallas Cowboy fan. Okay. There's a lot of us. Just people just don't know that, you know, because the Cowboys are America's team, right? So they're on so many different games that are nationally televised that it's hard to not get a fan base outside of the area of Dallas. I mean, I've been to Mexico. I've been to, you know, Bahamas and there's Cowboy fans. Like they're everywhere. It's it's really just yeah. more than America's team for sure. I, I definitely agree with that because out here in Los Angeles, I always say the Cowboys are the second biggest team after the Raiders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they, they got the training facility out here. So I definitely understand that. You know, when your father picks something like, my dad was a big Walter Payton guy, big Bears fan. Unfortunately for me, I was born three years after they won the Super Bowl. So <laughs> <laughs> I missed the cutoff. But you guys are 5-1. and one. Uh, I think the one thing that's different for me about this Cowboys team, I feel like every year there's always something. Like what's going to be the thing that kind of gets the ship moving a little bit. But with this mm-hmm. one, I feel like you guys, it's a different thing. I don't feel like it's going to come down to the end of the season that NFC East is doing that shit again. I think you guys are going <laughs> to run away with it. What's the difference uh, with the with the uh, Cowboys being 5-1 compared to last season? Dak Prescott. I mean, look, Dallas knows what it's like to be without Dak. You know, unfortunately, last year did happen, and I think it needed to happen. Obviously, you never want to see a player injured, especially when that player's on your team. But I think sometimes you don't know you have a good thing until it's gone, you know, that that famous saying. So I think Definitely. life without Dak Prescott really showcased everybody, not just within the organization, but the fans as well. Like, look, we need him. We don't function the same without him pay that man. So you paid him and now he's there doing what he does best. I mean, he's an incredible quarterback. He's an incredible leader, but also, I mean, defense is a huge difference as well. Dan Quinn really has the formula with these guys. Obviously Diggs is having an incredible year. Micah Parsons is just phenomenal, but also, you know, the schemes and the the plays that we're calling are just conducive to our talent. And I think that it really took, it really took somebody who really understood the defense that we have and how we can make it work. And I think Dan Quinn is that guy. Obviously, there's a lot of football left, a lot of weeks left. But I said in the beginning that the NFC East is definitely the Cowboys division to win or to lose. There's really not much competition right. this year for <laughs> sure. Uh, definitely. One thing I love about Trayvon Diggs, he kind of reminds me of uh, Eddie Jackson before he could, when he could play football. <laughs> uh, before. <laughs> I know I'm probably going to get in trouble for that, but whatever. Uh, Eddie Jackson. Uh, and one thing I love, too, about Kellen Moore, I feel like he's really getting that offense going. And as a guy who yeah. 
I wasn't the biggest Dak fan, but I love how his progression, like each year he's gotten better. And then last year we saw before he got hurt, he had an incredible first month. To see him take it to that next level I think is, is a real big thing. Now, tell tell us as, as somebody, because I feel like Bears fans, we're already picking Matt Nagy's replacement in our head. So tell us <laughs> what's so great about Kellen Moore. I look at Kellen Moore like, oh, he could do some shit with Justin Fields. I think Kellen Moore, you know, it's that saying that sometimes not the best players make the best coaches. And I think the same's in football, right? I think Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore was an average quarterback, but he's an exceptional, exceptional offensive coordinator, right? Because he can see the game differently than someone who has an ego like Tom Brady. I don't think Tom Brady right. would be a good coach because he would expect everybody to be Tom Brady. And there's only one Brady. Right. I think also he has a great relationship with Dak, you know, being from going from player to coordinator and kind of making that transition, but you still have the the repertoire of being, um, you know, a player first. So you can speak differently to somebody who's out there on the field. And Dak really trusts him. He trusts his judgment. He trusts his mind. He trusts, you know, his plays. He just is a really strong trust factor between the two of them. And I think that is a huge um, asset when you're dealing with a team to the caliber that is the Dallas Cowboys, but also when you're dealing with a quarterback to the caliber of Dak Prescott, trust is a huge factor in any relationship, even more so when you're like the top upper echelon of, you know, the NFL. Okay. One qu- last question on the Cowboys. I'm, I'm, I'm let you uh, jump right here. So how far are they going? Are they winning the Super Bowl this year? Let's, let's just put it out there. Are I they say they're going to win the it? Super Bowl every year. Okay. Every year we're winning the That's... Super Bowl. But this year I think it's more <laughs> of a possibility than ever before. Look, like I said, there's a lot of football left. And although the right, NFC East is in shambles, yeah. although the NFC East is in shambles, the rest of the NFC is not. There are a lot of good teams nope. in the NFC that are continuing to surge and are looking better each and every day. So the Cowboys have the, their work cut out for them. But you just got to win your division and you got to win the games as the weeks progress and worry about the rest when it happens. But obviously every year we're winning the Super Bowl. Whether that happens is a different conversation. So, Just like I'm going to keep saying one day Aaron Rodgers will be out of my life and I'm just going to keep banging on that <laughs> until, until it eventually happens. But let's get into uh, basketball. You are a diehard Knicks fan. Now, I will say, as you can see from my hoodie I uh, and, and the guy in the background, I am a diehard Chicago Bulls fan. <laughs> and, uh, Michael Jordan is the reason why I love sports so damn much. And there was two things I was raised on as a kid. We don't like the Knicks and we don't like the Pistons. But as a Knicks fan, you guys, <laughs> you guys had a great year last year. Real great year. So wh- how do you think, what's going to be the progression for this year? What do you expect? You guys got Kimball Walker coming home. You got Evan Fournier. Got my boy D. Rose back. What are you expecting from the Knicks this year? Obviously, it's to continue the trajectory of last season, right? That's the goal of every team is to continue to get better, not worse. I think, obviously, spacing is going to be a lot nicer this season. Obviously, scoring, offensively speaking, you're not going to have to rely so much on Julius Randle because you have other shooters on the floor. I think we're going to see a much better Obi Toppin this year. He's had a full offseason. He's had a full training camp, a full preseason. And I think that's what he was drastically missing. I think RJ is going to continue to come into his own. One of the critiques of him is he doesn't play his size. He's a big guy and he kind of plays a lot smaller. I think ultimately, you know, defensively too is going to be um, interesting to see how the Knicks do. Mitchell Robinson is back that they were drastically missing him against that series against the Hawks. You know, Trey Young was living in the paint and nobody sure could stop was. him because you didn't have your big man. So I think, you know, if this team can stay healthy and all the pieces gel and click the way that they at least have looked in the preseason, now everyone looks good in the preseason, but yeah. if, it, if it continues to gel and look that way, I think this is a team that's going to get probably, I want to say six or seven more wins than last season. Okay. So 41 was last season. My math is terrible, but we'll say, I think like a 48, 47 is realistic in playoffs. You want to avoid that playing. You want to show you're a true playoff contender. Yeah, I think the East is going to be real competitive this year. Outside of, like, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, I think three to six is a toss-up. Oh, sure. There's going to be a lot of teams that can be in that battle. So that's definitely going to be um, something interesting to see. Now, uh, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons <laughs> this is – Ben Simmons was, was kind of like me at my, my last job the last couple last couple uh, months. I was like, I don't want to be here. So what do you think is going on with this situation uh, with the Sixers? Cause I kind of feel like there's blame on both sides. You know, Doc kind of ran him under there. Who, how do you think this is going to end? Cause I think that's the biggest question mark right now. 
Well, first of all, the situation, there's no salvaging this relationship. Like, it's over. It's done. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when you're in a relationship with someone, you you, you kind of hit below the belt. You can yeah. never go back. It's just nope. kind of like, you can't take it back. I know what you said. So, yeah, I agree. There's, there's blame on both sides. But here's the difference. You know, Doc Rivers has his job. Doc Rivers is a coach. Ben Simmons is trying to find a new situation. And, you know, he's kind of shooting himself in the foot. I understand you don't want to be in Philly. You've made that abundantly clear. Your, your teammates know it. The fans know it. The franchise knows it. The coaches know it. We get it. We hear you. And you won't be in Philly much longer. But moving the way he's moving with the phone in the pocket and not being, you know, in the huddle and your coach tells you to do a defensive drill, which – you should be good at. You're a great defensive player. So he's not asking you to do something you can't do. He's asking you to do something you're actually really good at doing. For you to say no, I mean, if he thinks that his future teammates and his future team and his future coaches aren't watching all of this unfold and they're going to look at him sideways when he walks into that locker room, he's mistaken. People don't yeah. forget things like that. And you're setting a precedent that not only are you somebody who in the crunch time of a game is not going to do what needs to be done to win because they're all remembering that last playoff series against the Hawks. But also it's like when the going gets tough, you're going to throw a fit and right. we can't, you know what I mean? It's just, he's sending a bad example for, you know, if he wants to combat the narrative that's out there about him, this is not the way to do it at all. I definitely agree with that. And I think it's like, you know, they're just fed up at this point. Like, I saw Joel's comments, and, you know, I feel like even if I was his, if I was his agent, Rich Paul, I'd be like, look, I know you don't want to be here, but just go to practice, do what you got to do so I can do my job and get you the hell up out of here. Because you, if I'm a team, I'm not giving up assets if I know you're going to be uh, pouting when you don't get your way. Yeah, I mean, for Joel Embiid, for your own team, and mind you, Joel Embiid has been very, like, supportive of Ben Simmons. You know, he hasn't yeah. really said anything bad about him in the press. He's kind of said, you know, he deserves to be happy wherever that is. And he, you know, he's spoken in favor of what Ben Simmons wants. So for him to go out and say, I don't care about that man, that's a huge thing <laughs> yeah. for your teammate to yeah. say. That means he doesn't care about you, not only as a teammate, he doesn't care about you as a person. I don't yeah. care about that man is a big deal. And it's kind of like, I understand you don't want to be in this situation and no one's blaming, let's make it very clear. No one's blaming Ben Simmons for right. not wanting to be in Philly. You know, as this is the business of basketball, you can request a trade. You don't have to play where you don't want to, but at the same time, your teammates don't have control of that. They don't yeah. negotiate deals. They're not in the front office. So if you're going to have respect for somebody in this situation, at least respect those guys in the same uniform as you, the same jerseys as you rather, and we're on the court with you and have been on the court with you because they didn't do anything to you. And this is just not a good way to rub people because one thing about teammates and locker rooms, they don't forget things easily and you don't yeah. lose reputations easy. Look at Kyrie. Kyrie has a reputation of being selfish and it has followed him for, to every single team he's ever been on. Yep. And I think the thing that kind of stood out to me was obviously we know Joel is outspoken, but when you have like a quiet vet like Danny Green come out like, yo, we just want to come out and do his job. Like, mm -hmm. we're wasting time. We're trying to get this shit together. That kind of told me everything I need to know about that situation. But uh, last night was the NBA opening night. Uh, Giannis and the, the Bucks got their rings. Nice little blowout victory over the Nets. Lakers look discombobulated. You know, Warriors right there and get a win. Uh, Two-part question before we get you out of here. Uh, what did last night tell you, if anything, and who's a team that nobody's really talking about that you think is going to make a big, you know, leap up in the playoff picture this year? Well, I mean, last night with the Bucks and Nets game, at least, you know, Kyrie's got to get that vaccine because they, they, <laughs> the Nets need him. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? They're going to drag him to the vaccination site themselves at this point. I mean, they again, it's one game and we can't overreact over one game. They're not going to go on this massive losing streak. That's still a really good basketball team with a lot of talent, but they need Kyrie. And you could easily see that they, they were at a deficit before the game even started. I mean, you know, the Bucks came out swinging. Obviously, it was their championship night. They weren't going to spoil that. But the Nets just looked like a shell of themselves from the team that they were last season. And you yeah. can tell that because now with Kyrie out of the equation, the way the Nets are constructed, they're a very starting three, big three, heavy offense. Yeah, you have supporting cast members, but they're not as important as the threes, whereas other teams like the Bucks are more evenly dispersed. Everyone has a role. Everyone, you know, is a, is a factor in wins and losses. Everyone contributes. A lot of the responsibility falls on Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. So now you take Kyrie out of the equation, 
a lot of that responsibility now is on James Harden yep. and Ky- and Kevin Durant, but double because now they're making up for the loss of Kyrie. So that's a situation. L.A., I mean, Brody's got to figure out where he fits in the offense. He's somebody who's known for being a streaky shooter. He's somebody who doesn't really know what to do when he doesn't have the ball on his hand. That's not the job. your job in L.A. That's LeBron's job. So where do you fit? in that offense and you can't really rely and live in that two three in an offense that's centered around anthony davis like you can't do it so the lakers are gonna have to figure out how brody fits because he looked bad out there i'm not gonna go and say you know the lakers are still not the favorites and all that craziness but they brody looked lost he looked like i don't know how i got here i don't know what i'm doing um and he's a better basketball player than that so i'm not worried they just got to figure it out yeah, he just it, it, they're, not, they're gonna be fine, but I, I just love trolling Laker fans. Like my cousin is, is, is a diehard Laker fan, and I just was just giving him hell. But what what's the team like? There's a lot of new teams. I feel like you got Miami going on. You know, we don't know really yeah. know what the West is gonna be. Can Phoenix do the same thing they did? I think my Bulls were getting a nice little light, not decent amount of love. You know, what I'm saying, what do you think is gonna be a, a team that's gonna make a big leap this year? I think. A leap, definitely Miami's going to look like a totally different team than they did last season. I think the addition of Kyle Lowry, P.J. Tucker is going to be huge for them. You know, P.J.'s a pit bull, and he brings that aggression, and and Kyle Lowry really helps with the scoring and the spacing on that floor. I think, you know, that the Jazz um, are a team in the West that you got to look out for. I think a healthy Donovan Mitchell is a game changer. And I know everybody's talking about the Lakers and the Lakers and the Lakers, but there's a lot of talent out West and people forget, although they may not be as exciting to watch as the Los Angeles Lakers with five Hall of Famers on their team, that's a really good basketball team. They're very well coached. You know, they're they're starting five. The whole team as a as a whole just works really well together. They're deep. They're deep in scoring. They're deep in defense. I mean, Rudy Gobert is one defensive player of the year. How many times? I mean, you can't sleep on that team. Obviously, the Clippers are a team you can't really sleep on, but that's going to be reliant on the fact of when Kawhi comes back. I think Paul George, we're going to see a really good season from him. But is it going to be enough to hold down the fort while Kawhi is out? And if Kawhi never comes back, is he going to be able to do that himself? in the playoffs, but I do think that's a deep team as well. Look, I know everyone's Lakers heavy, Lakers centric, and I get it, but there's a lot of teams that you got to be looking out for outside of LA. Yeah, I think health is going to be the number one. I think Anthony Davis uh, is the number one. He fell way too many times in that game for me. I was like, like, dude, like, it's the first game. Why are you crashing to the floor that many times? And <laughs> Charles I, I, Barkley was out of control calling that man street <laughs> clothes in, the, in game one of the new season. Out of control. <laughs> like, yeah. I think my reason for that, for why he falls so much, has nothing to do with realistic. I just think he's a Chicago Packer fan, and he gets what's coming to him. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when, when, you, when you go against the grain, you have some problems there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're going to get you out of here, man. Thank you for joining, joining me today. Let them know where they can follow you. You got a lot of stuff going on. Let them know where they can get in tune with everything you got cracking. You guys can follow me at Ash Nicole Moss on Instagram and Twitter and just keep up with all of that good stuff on both of those platforms. So. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. As we wrap this episode up, Goofy Mog of the Week. I got a two-part Goofy Mog of the Week. A lot of people did a lot of goofy shit over the last couple weeks. I could have gave this to John Gruden. Um, I could have gave this to Ben Simmons. I could have gave it to Kyrie again. I could have gave it to myself and Bears fans for acting like some, I don't want to say it, acting like some hoes. For uh for the way we reacted for what when Aaron Rodgers said the truth. But I'm gonna give it to the Washington football team. And it's a two-part goofy mog of the week. I'm gonna give off something that happened in Washington too. But before I get to the part two, let's get to the part one. The Washington football team, who was part of this scandal with John Gruden, they got so much shit going on, uh, even being looked into by the feds. You're gonna rush a jersey retirement of one of the best players. In franchise history, that being the one and only Sean Taylor, the you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, of course, he tragically got killed 15 years ago. He's one of the best players in franchise history. Should have had his jersey retired a long-ass time ago. And to rush it because you're getting bad publicity and you got the family there and the family says they didn't even know about it until a couple days before. Everything looked rushed. They didn't have any speakers. There wasn't a big ceremony. 
I mean, fucking Dan Snyder showed up in a damn hoodie. I mean, come on, dog. It's it's a slap in the face. If I was his family, I'd have told him to kiss my ass. You're not using my family as a reason cause so you can get your name out to their headlines. And they even fumbled that shit. Now it looks even worse for them. And it just shows that this franchise can't do anything right. So I'm going to give them my first goofy mark of the week. The other goofy mark of the week is going to be to the motherfucker who's at the game. Jackson Mahomes. That's right. Patrick Mahomes, annoying-ass little brother, was doing a TikTok dance over the number, the 21 number on the sideline. I got two questions. One, how the hell he get over there? Who allowed him over there? And I know he's a young dude, but he know he's old enough to know maybe I shouldn't be doing a TikTok dance on a retired number of a guy who tragically lost his life. Like, like what the fuck are we doing here? Now, I understand he, he apologized and all that shit, I'm not really trying to hit it, man. It was a dickhead move. I don't like it. it it's, just, it's just a whole mess, man. So I'm going to give Washington, I'm going to give Jackson Mahomes, my goofy mark of the week, it's nasty behavior. Uh, my prayers and thoughts are continuously with the Taylor family, man. I know this has not been an easy week for them dealing with all this and, you know, losing a loved one. That that feeling never goes away. So I understand there was probably a, a week for them, and I really wish they'd honored that man in his career a lot better than they did. That is today's episode of I'm Not Gonna Hold You. Uh, week, I mean, episode 15. Uh, next week, I will be in studio again. But after after that, um, we might have a couple webcam shows because I'm going to be uh, moving around covering these Bears games. But we will be here every week consistently talk about what's going on. NFL, as usual, man, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Barb Chair Scott. You follow HMB Media TV at HMB Media TV on Twitter and at HMB Media on Instagram. You can follow my company, the Barber's Chair Network, at Barber's Chair Net on the Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Barber's Chair Network. $5 packages, $10 packages. Support, support, support. And uh, enjoy this enjoy this new NBA season. Enjoy these playoffs. Enjoy another great week of football. We'll be back next week. My brother will be back next week with me. The homie Mikey will be back giving you his gambling odds. We out. Triple double hat trick, I know the code too. Ice trade, go for trade, yeah we go.